Welcome to the Pushing Button Podcast, episode four of our insights into video games, ideas, concepts, opinions, and experiences. I'm Kevin. And I'm Robert. Kyle is on assignment this week. <laughs> he has been chosen by NASA to go to Jupiter, and you can tell by the tone of my voice I'm being 100% accurate about that. Yeah, truthful, honest. I have no reason not to believe you. He's going to be going to Jupiter. He's leaving. He left yesterday, actually. He'll be back this <laughs> next week for the next episode of the podcast, just though. Just in time. It's a really fast trip. They're just seeing if they can make it there yeah, and back. If they can't make it in three and a half days, they're going to fly right back, so he's back. Mars is old days. hat. It's all about Jupiter now. Exactly. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about indie games, AAA games, kind of the ups and downs of both, and our experiences with both and... Why we might prefer one or the other. Yeah, because generally throughout my gaming history, I played a lot of indie games and more indie games than AAAs. And And I'm obviously more AAA than indie. Yeah. But before we get to that, what have you been up to this last week or so? Well, I did something exciting this weekend. I pushed the trigger. I guess you don't push a trigger. You pull a trigger. You push the button. (laughs) I, I pushed the button. The big red button, and I bought a 4K TV and an nice. Xbox One X. Nice. What kind of TV? What kind of 4K? Uh, Is it that LG one you were talking to me about? No. I went with a Vizio. Okay. It's a 2018 model. I did a lot of research, and they said it was pretty much the best in its class for its uh, price range. Yeah, I was going to say, Vizio is really good at doing that. They have, mm-hmm. th- they're a lesser quality generally, but for the price tag, you can't beat it. Yeah, and it's a 65-inch which is the biggest TV I've ever owned. Nice. My previous ones have all been 47-inch. It's not always the size so. that counts. It's mm-hmm. it's the, the high-definition quality yes. that matters. <laughs> and it's got HDR and all that stuff. And it's I played, uh, I finished Assassin's Creed Origins, the Curse of the Pharaohs DLC on it. How'd you like that? And the DLC was awesome. I loved it. The had a compelling story the whole way through. That's good. Uh, a lot more than the Hidden Ones DLC. And... Like I talked about last week, they you know each pharaoh has their own world, mm-hmm. and they're all like really well done. Like they were lands that I wish were almost bigger. You know, I want to explore those places yeah. more. These are it's an afterlife, so it's really trippy too, and there's weird things in them. But it was really good. It wrapped up really really well, really well. <laughs> and uh, but oh, on an Xbox One X and a 4K TV with HDR. Nice. It blew my hair back. I wanted to go back and restart the game and play the whole game on it. But. I think Kyle, because he's playing that game, the, the base game right now on PC, he has all those mm-hmm. features built in. And I know he plugs his computer into his TV. I think he's does he's, he got, a, he's got a bit of a smaller TV and it's not a 4K. But he does get to see a lot more than what I got to see playing on just a yeah, standard. He's, he's got a 4K. Does he? Yeah. He bought one last year sometime. When he got his PS4 Pro. I remember that now. I remember asking him about it the other day before I bought mine because I asked him what kind he got and <laughs> nice. how much he spent. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, so I'm the one that's behind now on the yeah. time. So I've just got my plain old 65-inch LED LCD TV and my plain old PS4. Hey, it's still good. It took me seven years to upgrade my TV. So That's <laughs> according to commercials that I hear on the radio. That's about how long you have a TV for before upgrading. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I did is I, well, two things, I guess. One is I wanted to say on the podcast that I started playing Limbo. Nice. And this goes into kind of our topic today. It's an indie game that I had never thought I would play. I had heard of it 
seen you know screenshots and video and all that, but never thought I would try out playing it. Never been a side scroller guy either, but because of Kyle's recommendation a couple weeks ago and just trying to broaden my horizons, I downloaded it the other week and started playing it. Cool. And I'm actually really enjoying it. Nice. And is it like the the atmosphere or the the gameplay itself, or what uh, is it in particular? Do you think a lot of it's the atmosphere? Okay. I'm a big fan of atmosphere in games and movies in general and stuff like that. But um, the art direction, the simplicity of just like the black mm-hmm. and white, and then like the backgrounds kind of you know blurry and it's got that sense of depth. Yeah, yeah, very much mm-hmm. so. And uh, a lot of that art style. what it's good for is pointing things out like Mm -hmm. you can see where you're supposed to go and you can kind of find how you're supposed to get there just by looking without like thinking too hard about it Mm -hmm. it's the puzzles aren't like the hardest thing in the world and how it's designed is it's designed to help you through it but you're supposed to mess up a couple of times along the way yeah (laughs) i figured (laughs) that out when i got to the spiders yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah that was that was a cool moment and i enjoyed that and it's definitely I don't want to go too much into it right now because we're going to be talking about it in a couple of minutes. But so I enjoyed that, and then lastly, uh, since I finished Assassin's Creed, I needed a new game, and I don't know if this is going to be it. But I booted up Metal Gear Solid Five: uh, The Phantom Pain. You'd been talking about that for a couple of weeks yeah. that you were going to start playing it at mm-hmm. some point, and so I finally did. Since I finished Assassin's Creed, I played through the prologue, which was like an hour. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, my first time playing a Metal Gear game, so I'm, I'm not expecting the story to make sense at all. I just I want to play it because I've heard so much, so many good things about it. Honestly, the stories of those games don't even make sense I, if you play all of them. <laughs> so see, I, I tried to look up online like yeah. who the big boss was and Snake and Solid Snake and all that, yeah, and it still doesn't make. I, sense. I don't think but, it really matters. Yeah. And as far as the gameplay in that game goes, it's so much different than. The, the only Metal Gear Solid game that I've played is the original on PS1. Oh, wow. And I did try the, the prologue for uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, and I almost finished it before I got tired of it. Hmm. Talking about the prologue of the main game? or oh, the, not, ground zero, or not, not Ground Zeroes, but yeah, of the main game. Gotcha. So yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah, like the, the whole hospital thing. It took forever. It was... <sighs> It's it's one of those things in games that I hate when they slow you down on purpose to try to make it seem yeah like more threatening than it is. I hate it. Gears of War does it really, really poorly with any time that you're talking over the com oh, and yeah. he holds his hand up to his ear and starts walking really slowly. Yeah. That, that irritates that. me so much in video games when they do that. Yeah. They're getting better at it, but that's... That's one of my main pet peeves mm. <laughs> in video games. Yeah, I can see that. that. And a lot of that first hour was like that. Yeah. And I stopped playing once I got to, I guess, the first area after that, when you're finally in Afghanistan, mm. and you're talking to Ocelot, I think, and then he leaves, and now you're off on your own to go do whatever. And does the world open up then? Yeah. Okay. That's when it, as far as, I know at least that, I don't know if there's, different maps that you go to or if it's all one big map seeing if but kyle was not that, on his way to jupiter he'd be able to answer i know question. it's a stupid kyle <laughs> nasa jupiter of but, all uh, places right um but yeah i Did don't I say know nasa is actually spacex you said nasa i i meant spacex that would make more sense it would make a lot yeah, more sense that's got, why i'm gonna go with money. that now <laughs> our mistake yeah 
Uh, bad. But I don't know if I'm going to keep going with it. I do want to try it out some more and try to get a hang of it. But hearing that it's like taken you know, 30 plus hours to finish and there's just so much to do. And I already felt overwhelmed yeah. when I got dropped in the world, especially not having played the series before. I feel like the controls were really different for me. So I want to keep trying it, but I don't know if I'm going to. That's where uh, I think a game like Death Stranding would be a good place to start playing uh, Hideo Kojima games. How, how do you know that? We don't know anything about it yet. Exactly, but it's in its <laughs> whole, it's a whole new thing that's separate from, yeah. as, as far as I'm aware, separate from, mm-hmm. I almost said from Grand Theft Auto. It's definitely separate from Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid. It's the three hey, words. Who knows? It could <laughs> surprise us. Yeah. It could be... Yeah. His version of Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> that I would I would play whatever his version of Grand Theft Auto would be. I will say I do see the appeal of like having heard of his games before but never played them. He's very cinematic, and you yes. can tell he's a fan of movies. Yes, and I did enjoy that. It was like I said a little much. Like I wanted to play more in that first hour, but it was it definitely set the tone and everything for the story. And yeah, I got what he was going for. That's yeah he. he he definitely has a way of conveying exactly what he's trying to get across, whether or not it makes sense to the casual player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what he's known for, and he does really well. And now I understand. <laughs> I – sorry, am I yeah. – No, I'm done. What did you do? I played a lot of Destiny 2. Nice. I think I was saying a couple episodes ago that it was the game that was going to be unlocked early with the – June Humble Monthly Bundle, mm-hmm. and when you pay for, it's an automatic subscription update. But when your cycle and or begins when it when it bills you, you get access to whatever games they've already advertised immediately. Mm-hmm. And then at the fifth day of the month, you get the rest of the bundle. So I yeah I had a a week or so of playing Destiny Two, and I beat the main campaign, and I beat the the first DLC's main mm-hmm. campaign. And I'm not big on AAA games, usually. I'm not big on Activision, particularly. I don't really care for Bungie. I don't really have an opinion, I guess, one way or the other on Bungie, because I didn't Mm. care for the Halo series back when it was theirs. And I don't like online components in games, Mm. and Destiny 2 has sucked me in, even though I'm reading all these articles about how it's failing as an eSport, and it's Mm. failing to live up to all the hype with with the expansions, and... I got it I've for been a lot about that. Yeah, I got it for a price that I was already paying. I'm paying twelve bucks a month to Humble anyway, so I got the game essentially for free, and then I ended up buying the the expansion pass for thirty five bucks, which I think was worth it just because I didn't pay anything more than I would normally be paying for the game anyway. So thirty five bucks for essentially the the entire mm-hmm. collection of Destiny two, being able mm-hmm. to up my level cap to, from twenty to thirty, and I don't know what it is about the game that sucked me in. If it was the the loot system and how addictive it is to see those numbers get higher and higher, like we've talked about before, and grams and yeah, all that good stuff. The I, I didn't even care so much for that. Uh, the multiplayer components to it surprised me and how fun they are. Like I, I'm not doing any of the high level raids. I'm not doing any PvP like the Crucible stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just sticking to each zone and what it has to offer in those public events that randomly pop up, mm-hmm. and you'll suddenly see people flooding into that that area i find that really cool it's a really interesting way of doing not forced uh cooperation but 
I guess forced cooperation because people want the rewards from those. Yeah. And you don't have to talk to any of those people. You just kill things alongside them and then yeah. all go our separate ways. It's it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed those events a lot in the first game. Yeah, and I don't uh, think they changed them much from the first game. Did you play the campaign by yourself or did you play with... All by myself. I played everything by myself so far. Besides those public oh, right. events. But yeah, I I don't play online games with people I don't know. Mm. That's just, I'm not a snob <laughs> about it. I just don't care for online multiplayer. Okay. how I've always been. Uh, how long was the campaign? Because I haven't played it yet. I probably could have easily beat it in five hours if I was mm. trying, but it took me a week, which with how often I was playing, it was probably closer to 15 to 20 hours. Oh, wow. But that's because I was doing the side stuff on the uh-huh. planets, doing all the adventure quests, and uh, kind of just enjoying the game for what it was rather than grinding or just powering through mm-hmm. the the main campaign. But that's essentially all I got done with it. Nice. But I even at this point, I can still see myself going back to the planets and doing the mm-hmm. weekly quests or the weekly the, whatever they are to get the rewards for that just because it's, it's fun. The, the mm-hmm. shooter mechanics are flawless in my opinion. Yeah, when I played the beta, it was definitely, it was about to suck me back in. It was yeah. before I bought, now I own the full game, but I haven't played it because I've been busy with other games. But yeah. playing the beta, it definitely captured that it's so smooth. And, just, yeah, the guns felt really good. Even the variations of the guns, they all feel different enough to warrant mm-hmm. them being different. Like the the pulse rifle versus the auto rifle versus the hand cannon versus the the I love the sword as a power weapon, so fun. And even though I'm playing as a warlock, and I was going to ask what class you're. Yeah, playing. my super ability is getting the the sword and shooting flames mm-hmm. out of it. Nice. But the, having the that power weapon be a sword is oh, it just feels so good because that's how I played Mass Effect Two. It was it, when it's a game that I don't care too much about, and I don't care if I die. That's I, what I loved about Mass Effect Two and Three. I played as a Vanguard, mm-hmm. and I used the the rush ability to, or the charge ability to just rush at the enemy, melee them, and then jump back and use my shotgun. And that was so much fun. <laughs> that made Mass Effect Two and Three at least playable for me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I'm playing Destiny Two, and it, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Balls to the wall, nice. just crazy shenanigans. It, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a well made game. I might have to make that my next game. We'll see. Um, I did start playing Detroit Become Human, and so mm-hmm. far it is a standard quantum, quantic dream, quantum dream, quantic dream <laughs> game. Uh, it's it it's not very different. The story is mm-hmm. good so far. It's not great. It's not bad. It's. I know the other week you were excited about how they have the the showing flow charts. The, yeah, yeah. The flow charts at the end of each thing. Is yeah. that still? Yeah, I still don't know how many variations at the end it's going to be because I'm only I'm probably 20% of the way through the the main story. Gotcha. And I do I enjoy the story for it bringing up the topic of it, it's not racism, it's essentially future racism <laughs> as people are trying to protest the androids and mm-hmm. saying that they shouldn't be able to think for themselves and they yeah. start being able to do that and that's what the whole story is based around. It's and like Westworld but yeah. yeah, yeah, but different, different, <laughs> different. <laughs> and that's the other thing. I watched the first or what they have so far of season five of Arrested Development. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, it, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I enjoyed season four, and I liked season four for what it was. Mm-hmm. But this is not a podcast about a family who. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Maybe one day. That would be fun. I could talk about Arrested Development for about four and a half seasons. Yeah. <laughs> At least so far. <laughs> <laughs> I have I started playing Undertale because Kyle and I were talking about it a bit mm-hmm. um, on the backlog episode. Didn't get very far, but I see what he was talking about when he said that he was playing it aggressively and you're not meant to play it aggressively because mm-hmm. it tells you at the beginning of the game, talk to the, the creatures and find out. Cause it's a puzzle. The combat is a puzzle. Mm-hmm. you got to figure out what options in the dialogue makes them go away. Is that kind of like a top-down or what style game yeah. is that? Yeah, it's that well, kind of side, kind of top-down. It's like an old 8-bit looking mm-hmm. diagonal view. Gotcha. Kind of game, but it's okay. Just trying I, to picture it in my head. It's 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 got a good charm to it, and that's it, it's a very charming game. It's the the enemies. It, it's humorous too. The enemies are funny in a sense, and ha- the puzzles to actually quote defeat them in combat is it's it's well written, and I can see why people like it so much. I'll eventually play it. It's one of those indie games that. Everybody else seems like they've played, but me being the indie game guy has not played. <laughs> That's a, a a good segue into our main topic, I think. Very good. So typically I play indie games until recently with Destiny 2 and before that <laughs> uh, God of War and Assassin's Creed. Yeah. I just started really diving into the AAA games that have been getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And they're almost all open world games. And you've now started... Right the future. I think that's another topic in and of itself, how trends in video games tend to stick for too long, way past their, their welcome. But mm. I I enjoy games, and for a long time it was because I was broke. I was working at a big box retail store, not making a whole lot of money. And I was able to spend 15, 20 bucks, or at the time it was 10, 15 bucks for a game and mm. enjoy it for quite a while. Because there are short indie games like Shovel Knight that you can still play over and over again and still have fun with it. Um, games like Spelunky and the Binding of Isaac that never end, no matter how many times you finish them. Uh, <laughs> what is your experience thus far with what is considered an indie game? Uh, I think I talked about this a few episodes ago. Uh, when I had, or when I played my PS3 uh, more. I had more indie games on there. Mm. And I remember talking about one game. I don't think it was on the podcast, but I was trying to tell you about a game I played on the PS3. And it was about this guy, or you fling like a character, you know, through the world and breaks That was on the podcast. It's called Pain. Pain. I found that out the other day. I might have to look that up. Yeah, and you, I guess you could have different characters and all that. And then, yeah, you just like, I still don't remember how you (laughs) shot him out or whatever. But yeah, you're like, (laughs) you're just trying to inflict as much pain as possible. And, uh, okay. That, uh, I played that on PS3, like Flow, Flower, those kind of ones. I think I was more inclined to play when I had my PS3. And I'm not sure why. And I think that was, you know, when I was younger too and I had less money for bigger games. Yeah. So games like that appealed to me more. But now, you know, discussing with you and Kyle more about these games and trying to broaden my horizons a little bit and it's... It's it's been pretty cool. Like I actually look on like Xbox Live every week now to for the sales the to see what's on sale. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, and you're know, like, oh, that's a game I've heard about for a long time, but I never played and got yeah. that. That's how I got Limbo, Firewatch. Uh, those are the only two I've played so far. 
Um, the thing that I'm liking about indies and AAAs now is that mm-hmm. there's less of a disparity between them than yeah. there was when, quote, indie games were starting to become a thing with mm-hmm. games like Flow and games like Bastion and and Super Meat Boy when they were just little underground hits that people like me with very little money but a lot mm-hmm. of ambition to play a game would buy. And now you've got games f- like... Uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice and mm-hmm. sm- games that aren't like massively budgeted games that are that still feel like a, a really well done polished game. Mm-hmm. And I almost hate calling a game like Shovel Knight an indie game because it makes it sound like it's this this podunk, poorly put together mm-hmm. game that somebody did in their garage. And it was a fully kickstarted mm-hmm. campaign game. It 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 completely got the aesthetic that it wanted. It wasn't doing that just due to limitations. It was doing it out of love for the SNES mm-hmm. genre or uh, NES, SNES style games. Uh, the controls were modernized in a way that didn't feel like you were playing a game that was made 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I've loved about what indie games have been so far is that they feel more passionate like the the people that make them you can see that they put their lives into mm-hmm. this whereas when you get a game like god of war you can tell the people that are making it love what they're making but it's such a collaborative process mm-hmm. that there's not clearly one vision there can be multiple different visions all intertwining to make this one thing kind of game by committee almost yeah yeah and i know the creative director or whatever the guy's title is behind god of war the one that made the decision to make it a closer camera angle Corey and barlog I, I think sounds right yeah that's probably accurate and to make it all one camera shot and stuff you mm-hmm. can tell he has a passion for what he's doing but i wonder how much of his original vision went by the wayside when mm-hmm. budget constraints started coming up and the fact that it's an ex- exclusive to playstation and they knew they were limiting their audience that way like i mean God of War has always been a PlayStation exclusive, but uh, I was wondering how much of that gets in the way of making the game that they envisioned to begin with just because of the bottom line, making money. Mm. I, I think that's that's where I come from with that. Is I get the same enjoyment out of playing a game sometimes that the person gets making it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I get that. I was going to say I, I love it when you can tell that there's a strong creative i guess front man i guess when they're making something like i go back to the first bioshock and you had ken levine Mm -hmm. and you know that was his show basically i mean you know he had his team and everything but you could tell it was his vision he had a strong direction for the game and what he wanted it to be and i love it when you find game studios and places like that that have that strong you know creative person Uh, uh, gears of war had cliff blazinski yeah yeah um there are those people in those companies that have such a mm-hmm. th- that they basically started the company or they're mm-hmm. they're the ones that built the company to where okay. they can have more of a say in it but still mm-hmm. they've got to answer to the publishers that have uh stockholders and they have mm-hmm. corporate meetings and shareholders like what happened with that, mass but... effect mass effect one was it a i think of them as the good doctors <laughs> can never say their last names, but uh oh uh uh mm. no I'm talking Drew about Drew Carpishan. 
was the the writer, but that's mm-hmm. not, I don't think that's who you're talking about. You're no, talking about the two Bioware guys that yeah. left and started making their own beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it's, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can never say their last names, but yeah. you know they. You know, I used to get the because I got the collector's edition of the first Mass mm-hmm. Effect, and I had the back when they had behind behind the scenes DVDs and stuff yeah. like that. I loved watching those. Yeah. I loved seeing games being made, and so. Back then, when I was a teenager, I would look at those people just like, you know, how you look at a director or someone that makes a movie. You're like, oh, this is that person's game. Mm-hmm. And so I thought of them as they're the ones that were really shaping that universe. And then, you know, yeah. then the whole EA thing happened. Yeah. And the same thing happened with what Kyle was talking about with Dead Space. Mm-hmm. But now that you mentioned that, I, I was talking about budget constraints with massively uh, published game or triple a games but then you go to indie game the movie it's a documentary behind the creator of, i've always wanted to see that of uh fez and the guy that did super meat boy and uh the release of like three or four different indie game braid was the other one that i was trying to think of and it, how a couple of them were having like really big mental breakdowns because mm-hmm of trying to get on this on, on the Xbox or trying to get their game done in time, trying to get mm-hmm. demos of their games ready for conventions and stuff. So there is a lot more stress, but it's because, I think, of how much they love that game. Phil Fish, yeah. the guy that made Fez, uh, he had a full-on mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, before After, I, think, I don't know if it was before or after he announced Fez 2, but then shortly thereafter left Twitter and said Fez 2 is never happening. And that's after Fez came out and was really really good you could tell that he put his soul into that game to say all those games you mentioned i've like from an outsider's perspective i've heard those are you know really great indie games and they're kind of like towards the top yeah it's because they were some of the first Mm -hmm. they were the ones that were breaking the boundaries of being like new grounds games and stuff instead of just being on new grounds being on platforms like steam and xbox live arcade and eventually Mm -hmm. the playstation store Going back to what you said earlier is, I think that was my perception a lot of indie games. Is like, oh, they're you know they're lower budget. They're just kind of right. I thought of them like you know browser games, yeah, just, you know, just games you play on there. And so I never gave them a second thought. And to me, I love AAA games because you know bigger budget, usually more, sometimes more polished. Yeah, you know, there's obviously typically yeah. You look at a game like Skyrim or something like that. There's there's going to be lots of bugs and stuff like that, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're jamming so much into there. And I guess it just feels like a more complete package, you know, as that's what I thought. And then now being opened up to indie games, it's like you said, they're come a long way. Mm-hmm. And now all these little developers are able to do things that, you know, even AAA ones do. Well, a lot of uh, indie developers now are using the same tools that mm-hmm. the major uh, public or major developers are using for their games. When things like Unity or Un- Unreal mm-hmm. Engine become free or cheap to use, then it opens up anybody to be able to make high quality games. Mm-hmm. And I I think that there's going to be less of a disparity between the two, even as time goes on, less than there is now. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind seeing like a triple A game, a triple A studio trying to make a game that harkens back to the old school NES SNES games like mm-hmm. Shovel Knight did and did so well. I I honestly would pay 
$30. (laughs) I I changed my mind there. $30. No, I I don't mind paying, you know, AAA price for a game that feels complete and I can get a full experience Mm -hmm. out of. And I'm not just saying that a game that has to be 20 hours long and I've got to be able to play it Mm -hmm. twice through before I get all the achievements and it's Mm got to have achievements and that's bull crap, but... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, I think seeing AAA developers, I would definitely like to see them make smaller games. Kind of like how, you know, an author, or not all of them, but at least like Stephen King, you know, he puts out these huge novels all the time, mm-hmm. but he also takes time to do short stories, and he puts out collections of short stories. I would love to see, like, you know, a big developer do something like that, have these big games, but then channel all their creati- creativity into one little, you know, unified experience ubisoft actually did do that they made child of light and valiant hearts i want to say the world war one kind of story ish side scrolling ish game i never played that one Sounds familiar. child of light was was great for what it was mm-hmm. uh it was that it was it had that indie game feel with having a triple A name behind it. Mm-hmm. So it has happened, but I don't think that it's going to happen anymore because yeah. they haven't done it anymore <laughs> and they were the ones that were doing it. Say, uh, you mentioned uh, Senua's Sacrifice? Yeah, yeah. Right? That's like a shorter, smaller game too, right? Yeah. And they were from, if I'm not mistake, mistaken, the developer that did Heavenly Sword? Yeah, Ninja Theory. That's him. Yeah. And I love that game when that came out and I played that all the time on the PS3, so... I haven't played Senua's Sacrifice, but when I do get a PS4 again, I'd want to play that. And I think that's an example of kind of... I guess they're not a huge developer, but a well-known developer doing a smaller game that's not a $60... Right, it was $40 on release, and it was a complete experience at $40 Mm -hmm. that a lot of people probably would have been happy paying $60 for. But they didn't need to charge $60 for it Mm -hmm. because they knew it was a... It, they could easily profit off of make, selling it for $40. They thought mm-hmm. it was worth $40. That's what they sold it for. Yeah. That's another topic for another day that I, <laughs> I wish AAA developers would get off of is that $60 concrete price tag. Yeah. But if they start selling games for lower than 60 bucks, they'll also start selling games for more than 60 bucks. And I guess they kind of already do with season passes and DLCs. Season passes that cost $50. Jeez. Which game was that? Battlefront 2. Holy. Yeah, EA put out their season pass for that crappy game for $50. I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. I've only bought one season pass, and that was for Far Cry 5. <laughs> That's be- I'm excited for that DLC this week, the it's- Hours of Darkness. They did, a, uh, they did something that is usually really frowned upon that I think worked in their favor this time, and announcing the DLC before the game actually came yeah. out looking for pre-orders on the season pass which is a bunch of evil words season pass and pre-order put <laughs> together but most games they'll announce the season pass and they'll already have most of the stuff made that's going into the DLC before <laughs> the game even comes out and then wait until people are ready for it until I think people are ready for it and then mm-hmm. charge money for it instead of like um but yeah uh, like uh, Battlefront for instance they show like the first month but then after that, it's like, you know, to be announced. Or right, whatever. right. Whereas with Far Cry 5, they announced mm-hmm. what the DLC is going to yeah. be. And that sounded really cool because it was separate from the main game. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave that Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon feel to it. That's like, okay, I'm going to pre-order that because I like it. Yeah, they all sounded cool. And that's, 
I guess that kind of could tie into a AAA developer making a smaller game because they really they, are. They look like they're going to be three smaller experiences. Ubisoft is the best and worst at this. I say <laughs> the worst because they're the ones that will find an idea, iterate on that idea, and then replicate that idea. Yeah, ad nauseum. Yeah, every game that they do is an open world collect-a-thon game that is highly addictive for people that mm. like to collect things in 100% games mm. and not really have a whole lot of substance to them. Yeah. And that's a, a trend. And I think, I know indie games and indie game developers, there are trends there, and I'm not even going to talk about the whirlwind of that's on Steam. The, the stuff that's released <laughs> every day, because there are hundreds of games released every month on Steam. I can it, imagine. It, it's just it, I, I like calling it a whirlwind. Of that, that's <laughs> accurate. But AAA developers tend to find one thing that's selling currently mm-hmm. and make it until they're not going to be able to sell it anymore because people are tired of it. That's what yeah. happened with Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Call that, of Duty. That's what happened with Call of Duty. Yeah. They're doing that, I think, right now with open world games. And then I, I think indies are more making those... Uh, those uh, the battle royale games than triple A's are, mm. but there are a lot of triple A companies now getting into battle royale. Yeah, what uh, Gears of Black War. Ops Four that's doing that announced first, and I think they're doing. I believe so, and then Gears of War is doing battle royale. I heard that rumor. I, I think it was confirmed. I could be wrong, mm. but that makes sense because Fortnite is doing really, really well still, yeah. and that's a free game. Or the game itself isn't free, but the battle royale version of mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, my uh, stepdaughter has been playing it basically nonstop for like a <laughs> month. So it's it's not something that I care about or get into, but that does seem to be the current thing. It's it's those trends that just make every game seem so much like each other mm-hmm. that you don't get that that developer's soul in the game. They're just yeah. trying to go for that quick buck. I think that ties it around to what I was saying at the beginning, that it really feels like indie developers look to put their their name into what they're doing. Mm. They try to find something new and creative and have an outlet for it with Game Maker Studio, with yeah. Unity, with these free development software mm. things. And there are some out there that have some real talent that... Maybe 10 years ago, I would have said, hey, these guys should be working at EA or these guys should be working at X, Y, and Z AAA company. But now I'm glad that they're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) because if they were, they'd be another Bioware. They'd be another Visceral. They'd be another insert EA bought and demolished company here. But I, I like that there's room in the marketplace for all of it. Yeah. It's like. Going to the movies, you have the big, huge summer blockbusters mm-hmm. that are fun to watch and play, and then you can have the smaller movies that are more, you know, artistic and maybe experimental. But the movie tickets cost um, the same. <laughs> that's neither on where here you go. I know that's neither here nor there. <laughs> for that, yeah. you're paying for the movie theater experience. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Don't even get me started on popcorn. <laughs> I kind of want to get you started on popcorn. <laughs> 
What, what's the problem with popcorn? It's expensive. It is expensive. Everything yeah. at a movie theater is expensive. Yeah. That's the point. It's, well, it's because they make almost no money from, <laughs> from, the, actual from the tickets ticket because itself, the yeah. studio takes the lion's share. So that's why they jack up the food prices every year. Do you pay more or less or the same amount of money when you pre-order a ticket or what, pre-order a ticket when you buy, reserve a seat or when you get a ticket in advance? Um, if you go like directly to the theater, you can do that and you're just paying the same price. But like through Fandango, uh, they do have like the service fee for using okay. them. So yeah, it's like two two fifty, I think. Because Fandango isn't the movie theater that you're going to. Third party. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, two two fifty extra to already have a ticket and. You don't have to wait in line. You just they scan your phones nowadays. So that's that's convenient. Mm-hmm. See, reserving a a seat or reserving a ticket for a, a movie makes sense to me because you're stuck with all those people yeah. and you want to have a a comfortable seating arrangement or comfortable way to watch yeah. the movie. Pre-ordering a video game doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> unless you're saving money, I or getting something that you really want or really need. Mm-hmm. With it, that's another topic, though, for another time. There's so many other topics for other times. There is. There, there's there's a lot of them. There's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about that I think we could all three, when Kyle gets back from Jupiter, yeah. <laughs> talk about <Tomorrow>. ad nauseum. <laughs> I should try to come up with a list of indie games, between me and Kyle, mm-hmm. of indie games for you to try at some point and figure out a way for you to play them. With- and then have you and kyle do the same for me with triple a games that i've missed and i could think of a lot myself and i know we talked about a lot of them on the second episode like shadow of the colossus and yeah stuff like that there's a lot of games out there that i think we'd both be able to better understand each other's past (laughs) would would you call shadow of the colossus kind of like an in-between game because it was made yeah i suppose so i mean it was a triple a studio right sony but uh, to me, it seemed like it had a lot of like indie sensibilities. I guess. Yeah, that, yeah. It kind of straddles that line. It's a game that was super st- successful, and it stuck to its its vision, and mm-hmm. it did what it set out to do, and was still received very well, well enough mm-hmm. to get two remasters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No That's the other trend in AAA games: yeah. remasters. Which, hey, I I played partly played one this weekend. The Far Cry 3 Classic Edition, which was also part of the season pass. What is the Classic Edition compared Uh, to the original game? I think it's the same, just maybe some tweaks, some updates. Was the original Um, one on the Xbox One and PS4? Was that... It was 360. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then. Because I had it on PC. (laughs) Yeah, it was... Oh, I can't even remember when that came out, but I think... Far Cry 4 was the first one on the new consoles. Okay, and then Primal. And then and Primal, and then... 5. Yeah. That makes sense. But, so I like, mean, I, I enjoy certain remasters. Uh, if it's a game that I loved and I'm excited to have the best version of, I don't mind buying it again. Like Skyrim, I bought the remastered of that. <laughs> uh, Halo Master Chief Collection just... Because it's all the games yeah. in one disc, so that made sense. I heard about the massive disappointment that was the Master Chief Collection. Really? Yeah. It had a lot of flack online about, I think it was mostly the online stuff, mm. so you probably didn't see, see that, it. Yeah, that, <laughs> that just goes right by me. But yeah. I know when that came out, me and my buddy Patrick played that. We pulled an all-nighter, I think the first night we got that, and played through Halo 1, 
and I think half of Halo 2 in that one night. I think we may have talked and about this on here before. Probably. I'm not positive. And, but. Yeah, that was the last all-nighter I pulled. But if, like I said, if it's a game that I love and I want to have the best version of, I don't mind a remaster. But like Far Cry 3, I, w- I wouldn't have bought that. But since it was in the yeah. season pass, you know, it's, I don't, I'm excited to go back and replay it, but... I was trying to think of if there have been any indie games that were remastered, and I think of The Binding of Isaac, and I don't think of Rebirth as a remaster as much as I do a, a, just a, a separate game altogether because mm-hmm. of how much they've expanded on it, but they created an engine for it rather than having it on Flash. And like, Spelunky, the same thing. They had a free Flash version. Yeah. Isaac wasn't free, but uh, a free Flash version of Spelunky, and then they remastered it air quotes uh in hd i suppose as far <laughs> as cartoony sprites go but they called it spelunky hd for a while but hmm. so there have been even indie remasters or remakes that mm-hmm. have been successful and that i enjoy to this day triple a remasters seem a little excessive and see that some of the scummy ways that they sell them, like the the Modern Warfare remaster, how that was a pre order exclusive yeah. for so long with Infinite Warfare, and I think they even didn't they remaster the rebooted uh, Tomb Raider game like two years after that came out before Rise of the Tomb Raider. Came uh, out? They had the definitive edition. Yeah, what? Why? Uh, I think it's. I think I had the DLC too, or no. I think it was because it was a 360 game originally. Oh. And then the definitive edition was when it came out on the uh, 1 and the PS4. I, and I think it had all the DLC with it. I'm not positive, but... It just seems like they could have just done that by making it backwards compatible to begin with. And maybe I'm not is. a business person, yeah. even you, though my day job... You can't make money that way. My day we? job, I'm a salesman. <laughs> but I, it screws over the consumer yeah i mean for someone like me who didn't play it on the 360 i was happy to pay i think paid 10 or 20 bucks for it on the ps4 and got it because i didn't play it on the previous console so i was excited to have it and on the ps4 it came in like a a cool kind of like a book case okay so i had like a little art book like inside of it and all that and it was pretty cool maybe a lot of my jadedness isidism is coming from pc because they still, even though you can still play all those games on PC after after the new consoles come out, they still release those definitive editions and those remasters on PC, expecting people to buy them again, even though a lot of times there's very little difference. Sometimes they'll have more graphical options, graphic options, or they'll have the DLC included in them. But most people that have already played the game or that are going to play the game on PC already have the game. And if they don't want the DLC, they're not going to already chosen to not buy it let's see then it's obvious it's not for them you know it's either for new players that want to have the best version of it and this is how i see it for consoles that makes a lot of sense because there are they are better versions for pcs and like i was saying i I, maybe i've been jaded because they don't update them on pc they just re-release them with the dlc and they call it a remaster even though the better version was already on i see what you mean so they don't the old version, they don't update it. All right. the updates are in the new one that they put out, so you have to buy it if you want those updates. No, what I was saying is actually the almost the exact opposite. They've already updated the original game to the point where it mm-hmm. is the remaster, and then they try selling the remaster on top of that. 
they did that with Bioshock. Mm-hmm. They did that with Skyrim. They did that with say, uh, Bioshock's Tomb another Raider. remaster I have. <laughs> yeah, uh, and on Direction. a console, I guess that does make sense, especially mm-hmm. if it's on the next version of the console, and yeah. you don't want to deal with having dig out all the old discs. And yeah, all that, yeah, yeah. And sometimes those discs get scratched up, or my Xbox mm-hmm. 360 trait liked to eat discs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, a lot of those ones are ones that I'll get like on Black Friday when they're ten or fifteen bucks. I won't pay. I don't think I've ever paid full price for a remastered game. Yeah, a lot of times, even at release, they're like sixty-six percent of the yeah. cost of the original game. Anyway, and there's a lot of trends like that in games that I suppose make sense to some people, but I've always seen as underhanded business practices that mm-hmm. I that I don't appreciate as a consumer, but. But I don't see to. that in the end. That I'm not the audience for it. It is the business. So, you know, AAA games, you're going to see that because they're, how much more money can we squeeze out of it? Whereas the indie games, know. you know, they're... They're passion projects yeah. where people want to get their artistic vision out there. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about indie games. And even some bigger companies have that outlook. And I could tell God of War. I, I loved that game. It wasn't a perfect game. Mm. It wasn't my perfect game, at least. But it was such a good game, and it felt so good. You could tell that the love and the passion went into it. And they don't want to nickel and dime the customer with the consumer with DLCs Mm -hmm. for weapons and skins and all this stuff like almost every other. Even single-player games. When you have skins for single-player games, what is the point? (laughs) I've never gotten that. I don't either. Like Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh You can go into the Uplay store and... Get all the you can upgrade your camel, or you can get yeah, yeah it's cool. Get legendary, armor. you know, horse or whatever, and get the same stuff in game. Yeah, um, maybe slightly different, but what I didn't get about those is like the clothes and the armor and the horses and stuff didn't give you any <laughs> stat boost no or anything like that. Yeah. Is purely cosmetic, and there were, I mean, if if they're making money from it, I'd see why they're doing it. There's people that are, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry, but dumb enough to buy that. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you're a millionaire, go ahead. But I, I don't even see why people spend so much money in uh, cosmetics on multiplayer games and multiplayer games. And yeah, I I played Star Trek Online and I did buy some some DLC for it because I'm a Star Trek fan and I wanted the original <laughs> series uh, costumes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was that was cool to me. And that's probably where other people come from is they want to show off what they like. Mm-hmm. And I, I I get that to an extent, but there is just so much of that. In almost every online game now to the point mm-hmm. where it's bleeding over to single-player games yeah. where it doesn't make any sense because they're making the money by doing it one place. They're just copy-pasting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's that's the trend. It Find something that sells <laughs> and see how many times you can sell it. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's business. I know. I exactly. don't have to like it, but yeah. I don't. The hammer on the nail there. I'm, I'm getting fired up. I'm getting worked up. Yeah. It's a test. You see this uh, sweat dripping <laughs> down my head. It's not, but that's cool. I did want to point out too. There is, I believe, a difference between first-party AAA games and multi-platform AAA games. Yeah, something like God of War or Shadow of the Colossus, Last of Us, stuff like that. I was just gonna say Last of Us Uncharted. Not a ton of Xbox exclusives. I'm hoping there's some good announcement at E3 on that front. We need some. We need some good ones. There's, there's rumors about Crackdown being delayed. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> or canceled or whatever. Oh, that'd be a bummer. But, yeah, I think 
definitely when it's multi-platform, there's more of the tendency to do that kind of stuff. And that makes and first party is definitely, I think, because it's a bigger studio backed because you know either Sony or Microsoft or mm-hmm. Nintendo, so they have all that money. But I like that those companies are giving those developers the freedom to do right. their artistic vision, like God of War. And, and that makes sense because, like my my favorite PS4 game, I think right now is God of War, and that mm-hmm. is an exclusive. My the only Switch games that I even own are first party. Mm. Well, okay, Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle is Ubisoft, but it's licensed <laughs> through Nintendo, so it's not first party technically, but it's another Ubisoft game. Yeah, that, that's another thing that Ubisoft did that was completely just off the wall crazy, mm. and I think it worked. It was a fun game. It was XCOM with Mario and those stupid little rabbits, but. I, I, I remember don't... you were really excited when the Before trailer for that out, came out. Yeah, I saw. I was like, okay, so I saw the poster, and I'm like, what is this crap? <laughs> what can they possibly do? I thought it was going to be a rabbits game with Mario, and because Mario's been in like Sonic games, and they do mm-hmm. all those crossovers with yeah. Nintendo stuff, and I was like, what in the world can they do? And then I saw the gameplay, and it was showing. Just like the the dialogue back and forth, and then it showed the combat or the the in game like tile stuff, the tile mm-hmm. sets and everything. I'm like, this is XCOM set in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I I had the biggest smile on my face because mm-hmm. it was something that was so unexpected. And uh, my fiance was sitting right next to me, and I don't even think if she did talk, I didn't hear what she was saying just because I was so focused on what I was looking <laughs> at, and. I think I might have even scared my dog with my excitement just because I, I don't expect companies like Ubisoft to do something that unexpected. Mm-hmm. And when they do, it just blows me away. And granted, it wasn't the best game ever, but it was the first Switch game that I bought when I finally got my hands on one. Mm-hmm. And the only games since then that I've gotten have been Super Mario Odyssey and Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah. And those are the, the only two that I was interested in when I was looking at getting a Switch. Which I still haven't, but... Eventually, I would like to play probably Super Mario Odyssey more than yeah. Zelda. Mario Odyssey was such a great game. One of my favorites of last year, yeah. for sure. But definitely, the for Nintendo, the first-party games are always the ones that I look at. Yeah. But again, I haven't had a Nintendo console since the Wii, so... Maybe if you buy a Switch, they'll announce a sale a week later. Or a couple <laughs> <Yeah>. days later. <laughs> yeah. How about that? As of this recording, I bought my Xbox One X <laughs> the previous Friday, and then today they announced that the first ever sale on Xbox One X is, will be later this week. 50 bucks <laughs> off. Uh, but what can you do? Uh, go back in time. I mean, I still only paid... Like four hundred four because I sold my Xbox to my friend for a hundred, so oh, I used that towards it. So nice. it's not a total loss. Yeah, there you go. I mean, fifty dollars—it's it, a lot of money, but when you're looking at four hundred dollars or whatever, fifty dollars yeah. isn't too terrible. Yeah, it—it's almost a game, or it can be a couple games. Yeah, <laughs> depending on what you pay for that. <laughs> I think that's the last thing that I could think of to talk about with. Indies and triple A's mm. is the the price and how mm. indies are usually between depending on who makes them and if they're experienced at what they're doing if they've released other titles anywhere from five to twenty five dollars mm-hmm. typically uh, and triple A games are almost always either forty dollars or sixty dollars without the DLC without add ons without yeah. pre order bonuses or whatever mm-hmm. uh, they're set in stone at one price mm-hmm. and. I, I don't care for that. 
to say quick sidebar the uh they announced the pre-order bonuses for red dead redemption 2 today also i didn't look at those <laughs> i did see that but I... yeah there's the, the there's skins hey, okay boom here's another trend i hate in AAA games is the like the gold edition oh. and the ultimate edition or whatever the different and versions of pre-orderable dlcs and i miss there being actual cool collector's edition like the first assassin's creed or the first Mass Effect that actually came with cool physical stuff. And now everything is, it's all digital stuff that I don't give two craps about. I paid $120 for the collector's edition of Star Wars The Old Republic. And it came, oh, the, the, the MMO. Mm-hmm. And it came in like a, a a box that was like one one foot cubed mm-hmm. or whatever, <laughs> one cubic foot. There we go. That's the phrase I was looking for. One cubic foot. <laughs> One cubed foot. <laughs> and it had a a statuette of Darth Malgus from the game, and it had uh, other like physical things that were mm-hmm. worth collecting. Uh, one of my favorite collector's editions that I got was uh, Fallout New Vegas. Came with a deck of cards, and it came with a po- that, yeah. came with poker chips from each of the casinos that were mm-hmm. in the game. That was so cool. Games don't do that almost no. ever anymore. They're all mm-hmm. about. Getting exclusive skins, yeah. get the GameStop exclusive skin that you can't get if you pre-order at Best Buy. But if you do order a pre <laughs> pre-order at Best Buy, you get this other skin that you can't get if you pre-order on Amazon, etc., cetera, yeah. etc. Cetera. Pre-ordering through Amazon's worth it though if you get that twenty percent off. Yeah, I, I stand by Prime twenty percent off. Can't beat that. I, yeah, same day delivery. So yeah, I, works out. I I. I do like that. That's the one pre-order that I can get behind is mm-hmm. through Amazon Prime if you get that 20% off. Mm-hmm. In fact, the last few games that I have pre-ordered have all been on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. Yeah, going back to Sorry. Red Dead. Red Dad. Uh, Red Dad. <laughs> Red Dad Redemption. Uh, they had, like I said, they had like the deluxe edition and then another edition. Forget what they called it. But they actually do have a $100 edition that has physical stuff. Like it comes with a lockbox, playing cards, a map, stuff like that. And I thought that was actually really cool. cool. I, I love maps. Any game that comes with a map is okay in my book. A lot of Skyrim ones did. And, my, yeah. uh, my Morrowind game wasn't even a collector's edition. It was just a standard version came mm-hmm. with a, a poster map. Yeah. yeah. I think The Witcher, those games always had that too. I had the collector's edition, I think, of Witcher two came with like coins and stuff the enhanced edition yeah that's right that's right (laughs) but yeah yeah. so i was actually excited that red dead redemption 2 has that but i think that one is exclusive to like the rockstar store or something so i probably won't be getting it because i won't get a a discount like i will on amazon right which if you do uh play it on the pc is it gonna be on the pc I'm not sure. Any of the games that Rockstar does on PC anymore, Usually you do have to Usually they get ported after, right? Usually, yes. But like GTA V, you have to play through their app. Hmm. I just thought of another thing that AAAs do, is you have to download their apps to play their games. You have the Rockstar Club. Hmm. You have the you play from Ubisoft, uh, EA Origin. Oh, God, there are... Have to actually download those. Yeah, those you have on to, PC. Yeah, you have to download uh, Blizzard's app, which used to be BattleNet, which kind of still is BattleNet, to play anything from Blizzard, and now even Activision games like Destiny Two and uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Four. Those are going to be exclusive to. <laughs> I don't know if Call of Duty is going to be exclusive to the Blizzard app because they have been on Steam in the past. <laughs> I just miss being able to have everything in one 
place on the PC, just oh. all on Steam or all on GOG or whatever. But now you gotta have like you seven have or eight different apps. Everything on PS4, or yeah. everything on Xbox. I, I'm starting to get behind the console train. I'm starting to get on the console. Mm-hmm. Not behind it. I'm starting to get on it. I yeah. was behind it. Yeah. Yeah, having have like seven or eight different apps on mm-hmm. your computer just to be able to play those games and <sighs> simpler times. I miss mm-hmm. them. Forgot what we were talking about before I got on Red Dead Redemption. I keep sidetracking you, and I'm enjoying it. (laughs) All right. It's a good flow. Kyle's had a lot Uh, to say this episode. Yeah. Shut up, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) It's all that Jupiter gas. (laughs) That's what that is. (laughs) I wasn't going to ask. You shouldn't. The last thing I did this weekend, though, Uh I got all of our stuff up on YouTube. Awesome. So, so far, the first three episodes of this podcast are available on YouTube now. Nice. And I'm now you hoping... can look at a full screen version of our, our homemade logo. If there's someone listening to this that does free podcast art, I'm all <laughs> ears for that. Get a hold of us because I am not a graphic designer. The, 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 the mm-hmm. graphics so far have been complete crap. <laughs> Not just partial crap, but complete crap. And I'm not fond of it, which is why I was waiting, I think. You tried. I was waiting so long to put it on YouTube because I didn't want something 1280 by 720 pixels that looked like that. (laughs) Just high definition. Please don't watch it on the YouTube app on your 4K TV. (laughs) If you're listening to this on your computer on YouTube, just minimize it, please. Just minimize it or open up another tab and do something else. Play a game. <laughs> Play Destiny 2. Hop yeah. in there. See if I'm playing. You won't know who I am, but I'll probably not talk to you. Because I don't <laughs> talk to people in games. Yeah. You got any uh, plans for the next week? Uh, not so much. Well, for us, this next weekend is E3. Yeah. So I'm excited to... Well, that's going to be for them, too, because this is coming out tomorrow. That's a good point. Yeah. We're on time this week. People. I know. We're not recording nine <laughs> or ten days in advance. We're recording 24 hours yeah. in, re- in advance. Uh, I'm excited for E3. Um, but other than that, just trying to figure out what my next game is going to be that I'm going to dive into. I have a bunch of stuff from my backlog I could play. I was thinking of uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War, but I don't, I'm not really feeling it. Like I said, I might go to Destiny 2. We'll see. It's it's fun. Yeah. I want to eventually get into Shadow of War, but I'm waiting until that goes right. on like a really good sale for me to buy it. Right. I was actually thinking of picking up... Um, I should have when I got my Xbox, because I think they had a deal where you could get a an Xbox One X enhanced game for $20 off when you buy an Xbox One X. Huh. And Call of Duty World War II was one of those. Oh. But then I, I bought it online, and I went to the store to pick it up, and so they didn't have the same deal online. Oh. But I was thinking about getting that. It would have been twenty bucks, but I do want to play the campaign for that. But obviously, I'm not going to pay sixty dollars for a game that only a quarter of it is yeah. know, single player. So I'm probably going to be at some point throughout the next week trying to play more of Detroit Become Human. Mm-hmm. My fiance was actually watching me play so far all that I have played of it, and she was really getting into the story of it. And I like watching like binge watching TV shows with her mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that I like she'll also like and vice versa and this this game is it's a playable movie so it's yeah. 
it's kind of the same and I don't want to play it without her being there and I know she's she's going to she's been talking about eventually playing it at some point mm-hmm. herself but she wants to see all that she can from my playthrough and see how hers can vary and I I think I'd like to watch her play that her way just to see how her story differs from mine. That's that's cool. I yeah. wish that's an aspect I wish I had in my relationship <laughs> with Erica, my wife. She uh, she used to like play games and stuff, you know, years and years ago, and she was a teenager. But she'll watch me if I'm playing. Like she'll watch for a little bit and then go back to her phone. But yeah, it'd be kind of cool to actually play a game. You, you might should, have to convince her sometime. I think you might be able to convince her. I don't know her very well, but to play a Telltale game with you. Like pass the controller mm-hmm. back and forth because there's always multiple characters in those yeah. games, and just anytime it switches from one to the other, just pass the controller off. That's a good idea. That's what my fiance and I do is just pass the controller back and forth. Uh huh. I have to do that. Yeah, it, it's fun. I also got her into when we first started seeing each other. I was heavily into the Binding of Isaac Rebirth, and now she has put more time into that game than I have. Wow. Yeah, it's the one game that she plays right now, mm-hmm. and she'll always go back to because. She's kind of the same way as me. If she doesn't want to spend a whole lot of time playing a game, she'll play one run of Isaac or two or three runs of Isaac or whatever. Mm-hmm. Spend a couple hours at most playing it. Whereas in a AAA game, you gotta. I, I was having a hard time getting through God of War because I always wanted to play it for like mm-hmm. forty-five minutes to an hour at a time, and then it's like the story sucked <laughs> me in at that point. But I don't want to mm-hmm. continue playing because I want to get up, walk around, do something else. Mm-hmm. And, Indie games are good for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a tie right, back I'm seeing around. the benefit, yeah. <laughs> just pick up and play and put down. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are good like that. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy this podcast, enjoy listening to us ramble on mm-hmm. back and forth about the video game industry. <laughs> it's a little uh, bit different episode. But... Yeah. If you've enjoyed it, just make sure you click that like button on YouTube or mm-hmm. on SoundCloud, however you're getting this podcast. Mm-hmm. Subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, Pushing Buttons P. Pushing Buttons P. Pushing Buttons P. We, we haven't been doing much on there. I think I've just posted whenever there's a new episode that comes out. But it's something we're looking into getting into a bit more of. Uh, yes. For anything else, just go to our website, PushingButtonsPodcast.com. Every link is on there. Um, you can get a hold of me at Kevin at PushingButtonsPodcast.com. I think... Tomorrow night, so it'll be tonight for people listening, um, I'm going to start a mailbag email address. So if we ever get somebody that wants to ask us a question Mm -hmm. or send in a suggestion for us to have as a topic on the show, they can do that that way. And that'll just be mailbag at pushingbuttonspodcast.com. So hit us up there or hit us up on Twitter. Feel free on Twitter, too. Yeah. Yeah. If you have any questions or anything like that, just hit us up. And get back to you. Yeah. And I can actually talk about this a little bit now, even though Kyle already knows. Um, starting next week, there is going to be a new segment Ooh. on this show. He didn't sound so excited because I told him about it last week. And yeah, There's going to be a new segment on the show that's going to add a bit to the, the content on our YouTube channel. So I'm really excited nice. for that. It's not going to be immediate on YouTube. It'll be over time. But I'm not going to give any hints as to what it is. But it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I still don't know. It's going to be a surprise. <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot of fun. You and Kyle are both going to enjoy it almost as much as I am. I'm, I can speak for Kyle, and we're both excited. <laughs> I think I just heard him. <laughs> Is that right, Kyle? <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, pushingbuttonpodcast.com. Follow us on YouTube, Twitter, SoundCloud, wherever else you can find us. I don't think it's anywhere else right now. Uh, thank you for listening. And goodbye. Have a great week. Love you.